Welcome to Sonic Talk 326 live. Um, got live chat room. Gosh, there's loads of people. You must have loads of mates, Matt. This is the busiest <laughs> we've been for a long time. I don't know why. It's just fantastic. But anyway, I wanted that, that laugh there was because I've got a studio guest. But to more of that, I just want to say, of course, uh, this show is sponsored by Isotope and also featuring Isotope. Yes. How good that is. I'll, I'll, I'll say hello to one of our guests. This is uh, Matt Hines <laughs> from Isotope. How are you, Matt? I am very well, thank you. Your official title is? So I am the product specialist. Okay, fantastic. So we've got the product specialist who's been down here showing us uh, some RX3 action. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. I can't say anything because I'm under a strict um, NDA, pain of death. And as I said, I think in the corner you might just be able to see the actual isotope fairy's hand if it enters the shot. There it is, the ghostly hand of the for real isotope fairy. That's the thumbs up. So that means we're blessed with the um, with good luck and Elfish, merry things. And giveaways. And giveaways, that's right. So anyway, I want to say thanks to for you coming down. Uh, thanks to everybody in the chat room for listening. Um, I hope everything's streaming all right, because, uh, you know, when I'm actually doing this, it's quite hard to be the streaming engineer at the same time. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll, we won't go on about that, as I want to. But we'll say hello to our live guests as well, who are coming in down the line. We'll start over there with uh, uh, Rich Hilton. Who <laughs> I picked the wrong button just as Rich was <laughs> leaning to fix something. I'm sure. How are you, Rich? Rich Hilton, of course, from Chic, uh, probably m- more famously known as Chic than anything at the moment, because Chic are all over the place doing fabulous gigs, fresh from Glastonbury and all these other amazing uh, nights. And also, um, Niall Rogers, studio guy. How are you, Rich? I'm good, thank you. I'm glad Very you're well. good. Did you did you go away and do a gig between now and last week? Yes, we did. Ah, how'd it go? Uh, went very well. Excellent. Very I'm well. I'm glad to hear it. It was uh, in Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. Oh, wow. That's sad. Were there people with flowers in their hair? There were. You know. Did you have any in your hair? I didn't have any in my hair. But um, one of the most interesting things about this particular show was that there were a lot of people there who looked like they might have wandered over from a Grateful Dead concert grooving to chic music. Awesome. Yeah. I always, yeah, well, oh, that's great. That's a, do, you, do you find that you grade gigs? Because I noticed this. Just going to a couple of, I mean, I think Chic, Chic, Chic have got a much longer and more prestigious musical history that's gone through lots of generations. But when I went to do sort of backstage tours and stuff of uh, like Howard Jones and Heaven 17, I noticed when I stayed for the gig afterwards that almost exclusively the entire audience was uh, bald heads. Do you find that you notice those kind of trends going on? No, well, lately, no. In our case, it's quite the opposite, and the demographic for our music seems to be broadening to younger and younger people. The more hair suit. Um, I'm not sure about any of that or what kind of suit they were wearing, but um, but um, <laughs> but I think partially as a result of the uh, Daft Punk single success, sure. but I think also it's a generational thing and people whose parents love this music are now of an age where they're attending the shows and enjoying it themselves and finding themselves knowing the songs better than they expected to. Ah, cool. Well, I'm, and, uh, I'm glad it was uh, and continues to be an excellent experience for you. Yeah, thanks. It is fun. It's great. And uh, it resumes very shortly. Brilliant. Right. Uh, and we'll also say hello to uh, Mr. Mark Tinley, who's there. I always thought he was looking oh. a bit 
Christmassy and sort of dressed elfishly, but then he did a fantastic thing with his with his hairband that turned him into a nineteen oh, forties yeah. land girl. It's astonishing. Take the glasses off. Here we go. Hey, yeah. Mark Tinley, LikeBeing.com, com, uh, sound <laughs> sound artist and creative thinker, and also um, sort of waning interest in the <laughs> what's the the, the project the uh, I keep forgetting. It. I, I do keep saying it, and now TV Mania Music yeah, th- Thank you, Mark. Sorry, you're. you're but we should always talk about Array, A-R-R-A-Y, which is the project I'm doing with my autistic friend, Robin. Ah, and we're okay. uh, baking really... The, our latest song is absolutely brilliant. It's like X-ray specs meets music technology, and it sounds like a band, except it's not. It's all computers. Awesome. So That's good. I enjoy that. Like it. I said, I found a, a great uh, plug-in last week, which... Uh, which is the Scarby Rickenbacker bass, which just rocks my world completely. Oh, yeah. uh, and also, we're going to mm. say hello to Mr. Gaz Williams, who's over there in uh, sunny Bristol. I seem to be switching to people just as they turn around. Or ah, What's happening? I'm going to grab something. I'm going to grab something. Okay. And he's off. Who he's knows? gone to find a beard. Oh, no. It's oh. A, a real Rickenbacker bass. Oh, that is a beautiful thing. <laughs> Yeah, I just put uh, I just put flat wounds on the Rickenbacker yesterday, and uh, I've sorted the neck out. I think when Rich was here last, I think there was a big whooping banana bow on it, but it's just got the flat wounds on it, and it sounds uh, these are Tomastic flat wounds, which are really good strings, uh, but it just sounds really lovely. It's McCartney sort of, uh, it's lovely. Uh, so I'm, yes, I'm, I'm kind of more of the Bruce Foxton kind of. Rickenbacker yeah, bass sound, too. you know, the kind of really clangorous, crunchy, plectrum sort of... Yeah, everything full. Yeah, Turn just everything up. up through a massive <laughs> PV combo. Well, I have... Flat. I have... I'm, I will show you something next week. I, I'm, get, I'm collecting something at the weekend, which is a bit... Special? It's a bit special, so I'll show it, I'll show it next week. But, uh, but no, I, sorry, I was just showing this Rickenbacker, though, just because when you use flat wounds in a, in a studio set, setting... It hides a multitude of sins, you know. It holds, uh, it hides all the kind of frets, squeaks, and it kind of, and it's got lots of like just fundamental tone, yeah. just so underlying everything. So it's just a very nice thing to use in the studio. So it's just if people have got basses, whatever, just try it with flat wounds, and you'll kind of, you know. It... It's all, I think it's all a bit soft for me. My favourite bass sound ever, beyond Jean Jacques Bernal, was this uh, girl called Sophie Cherie, who was in a band called Sex Beat, and she was about four foot eight, maybe four <laughs> foot ten, and she had this huge, great big precision bass and stuck it through a Trace Elliot, and it was just so gnarly, and it was just like this little French girl playing this huge bass. Uh, it was awesome. A, nice. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. Yeah, do you know how, how, how seedy you sounded there? <laughs> oh, well, no. <laughs> and I believe you were rubbing your thighs at the time as well there. Leaning, leaning in very close <laughs> to the microphone. I loved seeing girls playing bass, though. I just think it's such a sexy oh, instrument. She was gorgeous so, as well. Uh, she was. Know. Right, the girl from Deerhoof, you know. Ah, she's brilliant. That's um, a good band, that is. Yeah. Ah, cool. Well, um, we have some subjects. Um, I guess we could talk to you in first, Matt, just because, you know, you can't... What? I, I don't know. I'm going to put you on the spot now. So you're, <laughs> here we go. You're, you're going to be turning around to sort of uh, find out what you can say and what you can't say. But basically, you were here to show us some stuff, right? Which I, I realise yeah. is not there yet. So we're, hopefully we're going to have... We did, like, maybe 25-minute um, video of the, the new features of RX, so uh, RX3. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, so uh, if anyone out there is not familiar with uh, RX or indeed Isotope even, um, we've been uh, sponsoring the podcast. Uh, we make 
software, hardware, we do licensing and all that sort of stuff. And so a lot of users might be familiar with the plugins. Um, and we have this uh, software application called RX2, um, soon to be RX3, which is the point of today's visit, which is a lot of fun. And it's just a whole bunch of different audio repair and restoration tools. Um, I know it's been talked about on the podcast yeah, before. Um, it's ended up as a synthesizer as well, as Iris. But yeah, so we were we were here down down in Bath, and we thought we'd stop by, and we've uh, flew over just for today. Yes, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you know, we no no reason we could Skype in from America when we could just fly <laughs> here for a day. Um, so yeah, so we're just showing it. Um, it is coming out soon. It's coming out in September. We're pretty excited about it. Um, We'll be giving away a copy of RX2. Ah, yes, we got a competition. Um, I, we, I will leave that as a teaser. Yeah. If you stay tuned, you could win RX2 and possibly something else. Yeah, depending on the isotope fairy. Yes, who is also here, um, which very pleased to have her in the building. We've, we had some, uh, we've had some great... She's picked a competition winner and also set a new competition, which I've actually forgot. I oh, know, I remember now what it is, because <laughs> we did it just before the show. We were prepared. So I've said hello to everybody, and um, we should probably take a look at um, our first topic, which I think I've got. Yeah, this is quite sad, actually. And this came back. I'll play a video just because I've got a little bit of a clip um, that I can use just to introduce. So here it comes. This is Sam West when we went up to uh, see Jeff Down at Buggles rehearsal, which was a couple of years ago. These are all the great Slave to the Rhythm made there. I mean, it's, that's a reason never to close a studio, in my opinion. We're here at Sam West, where we've been invited. I don't really need to see any more of me, because I'm here too. Um, so, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, Sam West, the new Sam West is closing. Uh, we know that. Uh, we posted some news. Uh, and this is kind of one of... I, I, I st- and I still think, you know, that should certain buildings and certain studios should actually be c- put on the never repurpose or turn into a museum or something that just feels really wrong that so much musical history is going to be sort of turned into some luxury flats for a banker i just it just makes me a bit sad really but anyway the, the reason i actually brought this up was because um failed muso who's also uh, uh, often a guest on the show and is i know as a listener i don't know if he's in this chat room today um pl- pl- posted a blog post about some some studios yard sale and basically they're selling a whole bunch of uh, bits and bobs it looks like kind of basically knackered old speakers <laughs> and obsolete hardware but apart from that it'd be a great piece to uh, to own some of that stuff uh, but the thing is um it's this weekend it's on the 18th which i think is this weekend let me make sure i've got my facts right i'll probably get absolutely miles out but it's yeah, this sunday today? it's this sunday yeah. so um and i just wondered really um if anybody would you know, is there anything from there that you'd actually quite like to get? I mean, let's assume that it's not a bunch of knackered old speakers and broken XLR leads. Let's let's assume that you could have anything you wanted. I mean, I'm probably guessing most of this stuff is going to Trevor Horn's new facility, but let's just pretend, shall we, that it's not. Um, Mark, have you got any kind of feelings of, uh, you know, heritage and lust of anything that you'd like from there? No. Okay, thank you very much. I, but I tell you what, I have got something I can play. I managed to hook Lots this up. Lots moving house. I want everything to disappear into a, a Mac Mini-sized box. <laughs> you do? Oh, hold on. Oh, now what have I done? Oh, wow. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> anyway, I knew that was no good. So, so If anyone wants to buy a V-Synth, I want to sell my V-Synth. I was, I was looking on, I, this is actually so off topic, but I was looking on eBay for a case, and then I thought, I'm going to buy a case, put the V-Synth in a case, put the V-Synth in storage and not use it for three months. That makes no sense. If I sell the V-Synth, that will be a better solution. So if anyone wants to buy take one. take it down to on, the yard sale. 
Yeah, yeah you could pretend that it's a bad idea. Yeah, you could this, actually. This you, you, could, you could be like you could be, you'd be like a ticket tout at, yeah. a, at a, a Sam <laughs> Studio yard sale. Anyone want to buy a V synth? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't walk though, can ah. I? Sorry. Well, we've probably like saved a, you a from from ticket tout. from something <laughs> a shame, some, some shame there. Um, interestingly enough, actually, we had Roland down here uh, a few weeks ago, um, and they were saying that the la- the very last. V-Synth GT from stock was being sold. And they're not making them anymore. So that's it. You know, whatever the current, you know, you can't buy them anymore. Oh, well, then it is definitely something worth touting, isn't it? It could well be. Anyway, um, back to the topic in hand. Sorry about that. Gaz, how are you? What would you like to get from uh, Sam, assuming you could have anything and it was not like a Bob Marley's bar? What was the multi-track the, the machine that they were using then around the time of Slave to the Rhythm? What would, that, would that have been like Mitsubishi Digital 32-track? Or... Mitsubishi's, I would have think. Right. They look great, but they're just probably not worth... <laughs> are they, are they not? I mean, are they, you know, have, have those machines got any kind of desirability they must have know. some they Isn't must it? have some fairly hefty d2a's and a to d's in them that might be worth hoiking out and using you could just have the thing I mean, have this those... massive thing in the corner just in record ready the whole time and <laughs> listen <laughs> just no. record drums I, I wonder i mean i wonder just how much that thing either imparted you know an influence on the sound of those records or or what yeah, or maybe. you know if it's entirely just the front end the preamps that sort of I think well, they were. I, I forget that the beginning of that video. I think was. Uh, I think I couldn't. Was that an SSL or a Neve? I forgot to actually bother looking. I can't remember. Uh, I don't know. So so far, you what? So you so you're going to go for the um, Mitsubishi 32 track, eh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good luck getting some tape for that. But you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, and all the tape as well. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> So I can co- so I can record over it all. <laughs> yeah, I need to bulk wipe these Trevor Hornmasters so I can just sort of bounce some some stuff. That's yeah. so wrong. Yeah, uh, saying that it just makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. Uh, Rich Hilton, do you have any such? Uh, I mean, you've got pretty much what you want, haven't you? But is there anything there that you kind of like to have in terms of, you know, memorabilia? Uh, I know you're not a big memorabilia guy. No, the romance is not deep with me, but. Um, Microphones, uh, which were not in evidence in that photograph, but uh, I would love to see what they wanted to sell for microphones. Um, but I suspect he's taking all the good stuff with him and selling the stuff he doesn't want to have to pay to move. Uh, yeah, which looks like if we go, uh, I might be able to um, let me see if I can zoom in on that. I can probably make that a bit bigger. Don't, oh no, not like that, like this. Oh, that doesn't work. Hold on a sec. I've got a key command for this. There we go. So, what does that look like? That looks like basically. A bunch of crappy old tannoys. Some, they might be quite nice. Yeah, no, though. the tannoys are good. I don't know what... Uh, there looks like a load of drivers there that are not actually... They're blown drivers. Yeah, blown, hey. blown drivers. Flower pot. <laughs> no, but spares. If you had spare blown drivers. match theirs and you had, they had spare drivers, that's the kind of thing you could get at a decent rate from mm. that kind of a sale where they've just been sitting in some room there for 10 years and but they're going to work fine in your ns10s yeah or whatever they looks like there's some tannoy golds or little transducers in general yeah (laughs) is where i'm coming you think it should be actually it should be trade description shouldn't it It should be basically the psalm studios transducer sale because that's what it looks like that's where i'd go it's not quite the same ring to it though does it it doesn't what about you matt so well, anything that has a romantic kind of i mean you know obviously i'm not thinking romantic love i'm thinking you know romantic music 
Um, no. Uh, so uh, I took a look on the uh, the website actually earlier, and they had a couple EMT plate reverbs. Ooh. And you see, so I moved house in April, and I haven't yet fully got furniture quite yet. So you're thinking. Um, so what else do I put in all that space? EMT plate reverb. I think they had a 140 and a 240. So a big one, a coffee table and a kitchen table. That's an interesting. Mm-hmm. You could probably make a double bed out of uh, a two four. Use it as a, like a futon base yeah. or something. Ooh, somebody's buzzing. Who's that? So, um, who wants to play guess the price? Or- Don't look it up. Somebody's so- audio's gone a bit strange. Matt, nice to Is that is that me? Uh, I don't think no, no. It's not you. It's on down the line. Uh, nope. Uh, okay. I'm talking. Can you hear me talking? Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there, but it's just like <laughs> forever. It's like we're being attacked by little alien helicopters. It is a bit. I, I, I tell you what, I'm just going to very quickly. I think it's me then, because I'm talking and you can't hear me. I can hear you. I'm... Oh, you can hear me. Uh, yeah. Can anybody else hear this? A... Noise. I hear the noise. Yeah, okay, all right, so it's going to be a Skype thing. So I'm just going to hang up and recall. This is going to be a good moment okay. to. Uh, so just one second. Live TV, folks, or something like live TV. Um, not actually live TV, live podcast. So let's uh, redo that. Yeah, that was definitely Skype. Oh, that's interesting. Was it gone? That was a buffer. It fizzled. It, it did. It just yes. sort of quickly went, oh, uh, actually. Right, so. <laughs> so who wants I was to saying... guess the price on eBay? Uh, oh, okay, all right, guess the price on eBay. Nice guess sound, the price so. on eBay. Nobody look this up, okay? Two. Mitsubishi X850 32-track dash digital machines. This is what you get for your money, okay? You get two Mitsubishi 850 tape machines, 110-volt transformer, two-meter bridges and cables, two auto locators and cables, right? nice. How much do you think that that lot sold for in March 2013? 1,200 quid. I'll go with 3,000. 5,000. (laughs) £220. <laughs> Way off. Oh, my word. Those cost... Nobody really wants that, do they? No, I mean, they cost, no. like, 30 grand, didn't yeah. they? Those things, the Mitsubishi. Yeah, they did, yeah. Oh. What? Oh. There's that Good. in the listing, actually. It said this machine was £30,000 new. Wow. Get in there. That was, a, that was a hole-in-one from me, I think, actually. I'd just like a small round of applause for that guesstimate. Thank you. I'll give it to myself, but I'm very good. maybe I can hit a... Uh, there's something I can press. Oh, man, look at me now. I've just took the wrong thing from Sam. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but the Sam one's got to be worth more. Maybe it's got some of, uh, oh. I don't know, some famous engineer's fingernails in it or something. Yeah, it's probably got about, I don't know, a lot of Class A residue somewhere. Probably. Yeah. Uh, Mark, I don't suppose I could ask you to tilt your camera down a little bit. You're just a tiny bit. Yeah, that's it. You're, you're a little bit. T- there we go. Look, that's much better. It's framed a beautifully. Bit too tall. No, too short. Framed beautifully. Um, it is pretty. It just seems like a shame, though, doesn't it? I mean, I would like to. Because uh, this is this. Because, uh, Matt, you were saying you in your visit this yeah. year, this, this sort of tour that you've been doing the past few days, you went to Air Studios. Yeah, a friend of mine is uh, one of the assistant engineers there, so we, we stopped on by. Um, fantastic facility. I'd not actually seen it in person before, but uh, yeah, he just took us around all the rooms, and, and they've got, you know, I asked them at one point, because they have a sort of a tech area, you know, where they do repairs and, and store pieces of gear, and they have obviously a lot of gear, and they'll have several pieces of the same piece of gear and I asked him you know, I said, is there anything you're not using can, and he said no they use everything 
I guess so. Um, have, they got, have they still got a workshop and everything there? Because quite often that's the first yeah. thing to go, the service centre. Yeah, no, they, they, uh, they have some guys there, I think, that maintain and fix stuff. Um, but I'm sure if they ever had a, a yard sale, it would be a free-for-all. Uh, well, it would. I mean, but it's one of the few. So I'm just thinking we've got, what, uh, it's in London, uh, uh, Air, Abbey Road. Um, Metropolis. Metropolis. Sphere. Is that still going, Sphere? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Miloco, that's still going. That's that, and that's that's like a large co- uh, cooperative. They own a lot of studios and kind of rent out to producers and what have you. So that that seems to be a good, you know, at least they. It's just utilizing the property, isn't it? It's just. I, mean, I guess it's the same in the states as well. I mean, a lot of studios closing, but uh, or is it? Is it not so bad, Rich? Because I mean, th- the thing in the thing in um, in the UK is, especially in London, prices are property prices are so high because we're on a small island. We haven't got that much space. Whereas in the US, there is more space, I suppose. You know, but maybe not in the big cities. Or is it different? You don't look like I've said anything that makes any sense. <laughs> well, I'm just not sure. I'm. Uh the right guy to do a analysis of the relative real estate values, but um, stuff is not cheap here. No, sure. Um, but like the gas is cheaper than it is there. Sure is it, it is. It's not cheap to Americans, but it's, it's half the price of everywhere else in you know Europe. Um, but as real estate, I have you know, maybe you get. I don't know if you get more for your money here. I'm not you sure. Do, I mean, in terms of housing, you do. I mean, because I, I, well, I think what I was trying to say is the pressure on the turning <clears throat> businesses into housing is much higher here because we've got a finite amount of space in terms of, you know, I mean, I guess on Manhattan you can't really do much about it because it's an island and you've got the similar sort of problems. But in, in larger cities where there's a bit more room to spread and you haven't got maybe such strict planning laws. Well, it's, I, I, I again, I'm not the right guy to analyze that process but i can say this that in uh a hundred years ago new york was essentially a shipping economy and all the business took place around the perimeter and all the residential was in the middle and somewhere about in the next in the first 20 years of the 1900s that all changed and the business of new york went inland and the outside became residential and at that point they had to convert all of those um formerly warehouse and factory spaces into these huge loft apartments and such. Right. Now, that's sort of what little history I know that pertains to your question, but I don't know today um, how to analyze that internationally. I'm not yeah. the right guy okay. for that. <laughs> and I guess the thing is, is you've got, you know, you work in a private facility that is, I guess, was that built in a, a re, an ex-residential place or was it, is, was it a commercial property that then got turned into a studio? The studio that I go to every day yeah. is in a converted bedroom on the, top, on the top, which is the third floor of a private residence that faces the water. Ah, okay, right. Um, so it's got stunning views and cathedral ceilings and oh, windows nice. all around and... Uh, it's a gorgeous little place to record, but it's not mm-hmm. purpose-built as a studio. It's a space that was converted for that purpose and used. That's a lot easier to do these days, I guess. So, But, yeah. I mean, ultimately, because you've got the technology, you can miniaturize and, you know... I am rambling now, anyway. Let's move on. It took a lot, it took a lot to make this room mixable. Ah, yeah, you know, well, there is that. A space yeah. in which you can mix something. Yeah, sure, there is that. Okay, well, um, we've got another uh, topic here. Uh, I think maybe we should go to our competition because it's about halfway through the show. And as we have some isotope people here, we can kind of, we can trail it. Yeah. So I'll do the ad for isotope. 
then um, we've picked uh, a winner, or the Isotope Fairies picked a winner, which has a brilliant title as well. Um, I'm trying to find the piece of paper I had it written on. Which I don't see. Ah, give me one second. I'll be up together in a minute. And I must say, as a, a Sonic Talk favourite winner as well, so I'm very pleased that this winner has won. And that there was, uh, so anyway, that's, that's called the tease. So now you have to hang on just in case it was you. Right. But obviously the, the main deal about this uh, particular um, show is that Isotope have sponsored it. We are focusing, currently focusing on Stutter Edit, which is uh, it's an effect that you play like an instrument. You can remix in real time. On stage or in production, you can use MIDI keyboard touching change parameters and flip patterns. It's kind of granular type stuff, reverse, uh, stuttering, uh, it's the stutter edit, all sorts of beat slicing and practical application. You use it for, either for doing short turnarounds at like the end of sections and what have you, or even long ones and builds and what have you. As you know, it was uh, co-designed by BT, Brian Transo, who is a meticulous editor. Uh, but there's just so much that you can do with this. You can reinvent your music and sound design. Inspiring effects. It's not only got cut-up stuff, but we've got filters, we've got bit crushing, we've got all kinds of stuff that you can do with it. You can download a free 10-day trial. Isotope.com forward slash stuttereddit, as you see there in the video, if you're watching the video stream. Over 800 presets, uh, which you can flip with uh, MIDI keyboards. Very, very useful for real-time performance. And once again, we thank Isotope for their sponsorship of the show. And uh, we can say thank you because they're here. Yay. So a little round of applause for the uh, sponsors of the show. There we go. Yeah, thank you very much, folks. And um, we've also got, uh, last week, we set the, um, the question, which was, uh, name your three favourite things in the studio that help you go. And um, as we fantastically, um, got a, we've got a great uh, winner this week. And brilliantly, we, we just went and had some lunch. And um, the actual phrase was, I want the toilet guy to win. So that, th those are the words. So the, the toilet guy happens to be Azio Head, who is a regular yeah, yeah, in the chat room. I hope he's here this week. I haven't seen him. There he is. Aha, yeah, Mr. Azio Head is there. He won't hear yet because there is a bit more of a delay in this new streaming thing, so I'm waiting to see his reaction. Um, but he said his favourite studio tools, me, I'm a tool, says that's open to interpretation, uh, the toilet to do the creative thinking, hence the toilet guy, and my car for checking the final mix. Everything else is interchangeable. And that's an interesting point. It's sort of slightly more left of centre. And another thoughtful process that we, uh, we, we come to expect from Azio Head of the Chat. He says, oh, no. Oh, well done, Azio Head. There he is. There, congratulations, everybody. So once again, uh, I need uh, an email from you. If you just send me your email, we can make sure the Isotope Fairy can um, drop Stutter Edit into... No, no, this week it's not Stutter Edit, is it? Uh, oh, no, it's yeah. the next competition. Sorry, I, I'm getting confused now. It's all this pressure of added people in the room, you see. I'm, I'm used to just sitting here on my own. I've had to put clothes on and You've everything. Got a live studio audience. <laughs> um, so, basically, you will win a copy of Stutter, Stutter Edit. It'll be put into your account. So, uh, thank you very much for entering. Now, this week, uh, the competition is slightly different. What we're giving away is... Well, maybe, Matt, you would like to uh, say what, what they're actually giving sure. away. Yeah, why not? Well, uh, it, this, again, came up over lunch. Uh, not the toilet. Um, no. We did creative thinking at lunchtime too, um, and we decided so we'll give away RX2. Yep. Um, because of course, once RX3 comes out, they'll get a free upgrade. Ah. Um, so we can't give out something that isn't yet out there. But if we give them RX2, then uh, next it's like week, a special golden ticket almost. It is, yeah. In there the form go. of a software license. Yes. But to actually win this, what you need to do is 
we're looking for because as as you know, RX is uh, fantastic audio restoration and replacement, and does it kind of removes things from recordings, unwanted bits and bobs. Uh, if you wait to see the demo, there's some fantastic um, examples of that in the demo that Matt gave us. But what we're looking for <laughs> is the something unwanted that showed up in a recording that you weren't expecting to be there. So I want, if you leave that in the comments below, uh, either on YouTube, because this video should be up on YouTube or on Sonic State, the, the, the most unusual, unwanted element of a recording that showed up that you didn't think was going to be there. So that I guess it could be like, you know, uh, uh, a cow mooing, for instance, or, you know, anything like along those lines. We had an that ice cream a, van that, earlier. That was a terrible example. <laughs> yeah, so if, I, if, if we were doing the video, I'd say, can I take that again? Yeah. But sadly, because this is live, I can't. Well, what what did we have earlier today? We had the... The gimp. The, yeah, we had that. Had the indi the industrial door associated. Yep. There was an ice cream van. I don't know if you heard that. It was later actually when you were setting up. So. I love ice cream vans. <laughs> yeah, well, who doesn't? I, I love ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the, all these binaural recordings of ice cream vans, and, I, and I've been using like Match EQ to um to make things sound like they're playing through ice cream van speakers. I do that quite oh, a lot actually. That is <laughs> a fantastic <laughs> hobby. But I can't imagine. That must give you hours of, of enjoyment and fun. It's kind of like, that is one of the most unusual pastimes I think I've ever heard. That's brilliant. Making things... Yeah, but there, there is something about ice cream that we're going slightly wandering off tangent. I can see the, uh, the tangentometer heading off at 45 degrees. There's something about the, tan the, the, the sound of ice cream vans in housing estates where you've got lots of reflective surfaces and you oh, and yeah. it's it's like it's kind of like it reminds me a little bit like the um the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang it's supposed to do the same thing as it draws all the kids and they all come running up and go Tupney well it's not it's like eight quid isn't it these days for a when I <laughs> when I was doing the Dandy Warhols record with Nick we went out to dinner one night and the, there was an ice cream van driving around Battersea and the guy had we stopped him <laughs> Nick made me record him and we were wandering around him with like various uh, I can't remember what I was using as a handheld recording device but he had it on a cassette because I was going how are you making this noise and I got really into finding out what the technology was and he had it on a cassette under the dashboard which was being powered somehow off the the car so it had like loads <laughs> of kind of crackle and everything from the engine on it ah. and then the cassette must have been in there forever but they had it on one of those loop cassettes that you have on an answering machine right as well and then it was just like well, it was off. like wobbling and distorting <laughs> all this <laughs> and stuff on it that's awesome that sounds like something that um, maybe audio ease <laughs> could uh, use because uh, as as you know as well as isotope uh, um uh having taken some inspiration from some of the things that we've ever said in the 326 <laughs> episodes. Um, I, I remember Audio Ease said that they, uh, they, were, they modelled a particular um, uh, sound, so uh, acoustic modelling, of the sound of somebody dialing into the Sonic Talk podcast over Skype. <laughs> so maybe we could challenge them to do something with the, uh, the sound of an ice cream van. But that's interesting because... Yeah. You could... yeah, definitely. Can I judge it? Yeah, yeah, I think you have to. Sorry, Rich, you look like you're about to say something. I drove one. Did you? Did you? Wow. So tell us, come on. Is it like a secret that you're, as, a, as, a, as an ex-ice cream man, you're not allowed to say how the sound is generated? Oh, in my case, the sound was generated with a rope you pulled to jangle bells. <laughs> That's, there's oh, something really, really seedy about that. That's, that sounds kind of so wrong to draw children in for ice cream, you, the special bell. I think That's the cassette... That's what the business is. What do you mean seedy? Not seedy, but just sort of immoral somehow. <laughs> 
Actually, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> one catch, one of, of my fellow drivers once said something about statutory grape. Oh, uh, that's, that's poor. Uh, that's good. Yeah, good, but poor. It was a flavor joke. <laughs> Times have changed, though. Do you think that? Um, I mean, the one thing I would say is, you know, like um, when you get uh, sort of acts in the clubs uh, and small bars and things that buy kind of special pre-made <laughs> backing tracks for, you know, to, you know, if you want to sing "I Will Always Love You" or whatever, you buy a, a backing track from sort of guys in generally in the northeast of England who do these fantastic MIDI files and MIDI tapes so that you can then sing over them. Do you think there is an ice cream van specialist who comes up with the what is the current flavor? Do you? What, of uh, ice cream tones. To, but it always used to be green sleeves when I was a kid. <laughs> What's it now? Didn't it? Is it drum and bass? It's now it's like... It's that one. Oh, the pizza, pizza, pizza hut one. Cool. Yeah, the fast food... <laughs> that's, that's actually the fast food rockers. It is yeah. the fast food rockers as well, but it's also a traditional nursery rhyme, isn't it? Uh, okay. My son might know what it's called, but I can't remember. I, I feel the ice cream vein has probably been fully exhausted. Well, but... I, 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 will, I will say, whilst I can, um, times have changed. I have an app on my iPhone, and I can summon yeah. an ice cream van to my location with this app. Your joke. Does I'm it not. play a tune? It doesn't play a tune, oh. and and it, there's certain things in it too. Like you have, it, it's a flat fee. It arrives, and it's like, th- it's this is over in Boston. It's thirty dollars, and it, but nevertheless, I can walk outside of the Isotope office, drop a pin, and the ice cream van will be there as soon as it can. The the last time That's... I tried to buy an ice cream, there was an ice cream van in Biggleswade, and the guy was driving along, playing his tune and everything, and then he sort of stopped, and and I was grabbing my money out of my pocket, trying to find money, and we sort of started walking towards him, and he drove off. Wow. And I thought that's really, like, you know, he's not very alert. There's adults walking towards them, jangling coins in their pocket, and he, and he drives you off. You thought anyway. he had some sort of proximity sensor, you know, to make yeah. sure it's like there are people approaching, some sort of ice cream van radar. Exactly. I, I, I want to hear more about this app, though, Matt. That sounds, so would you, for instance, use it if you were buying ice cream for the whole office, perhaps? Uh, you could, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, more more inclined, I think, to show up if there's going to be more than one person. But you have to have a minimum order of 30 bucks. Yeah. So if you were like, a, just, hey, this is a cool new app, and you press the button by accident, and the guy showed up, and you'd like, or do you pay, in, is it an it's, in-app? It's in-app, in-app purchase. purchase. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I just, that's just, what's the word? That that's just, just absolutely crazy. mental. Gaz, I'm, I'm, I'm just sensing that perhaps you don't like ice cream. You haven't, you haven't said oh. anything. <laughs> Oh, no, I love ice cream. Anyway, we should oh. probably... Um, I think where this started... <laughs> I, I think I was trying to start a topic, wasn't I? But I can't remember what it was now. Oh, yeah. I think I'll play it now, and then we'll actually be able to um, press the... This is... This is uh, uh, this, this should give you an idea. This is um, some very interesting, informative When you take a user support call, there's from a specific Don R. Crawley. how things should I didn't happen. know this. It starts with your you greeting. several phases. Avoid curt greetings, oh. such as just saying, tech support. Uh, the greeting. And conversely, avoid lengthy can greetings, such as, thank you for calling Giganticom Technical Support Services. This is John Supportman, CCNA, MCDST. My goal is to provide you with a perfect 10 support experience. How yeah, may I... Not that, basically. Um, but... Uh, no, no, what I'm, the active listening bit, the gain agreement, which is when they read it back to you and say, so as I understand it, your problem is, and then the apology and empathise, 
and problem solving and then confirm resolution and thank you very much and goodbye to get confirmation well, the reason this came up really um was that uh, i got an email from uh, uh it was almost press release really um and um it's electron tech support takes a short break and what they're doing is oops no i don't want to do that i want to zoom in like so yeah um, they're closed between well actually we've missed the holidays i hope they had a nice time but it just struck me as a, a, an interesting concept because i mean you know one one thing about tech support is you sort of want it now and you want it immediately and you don't want to mess around and if you have to wait it kind of gets you kind of crazy i was hoping to have dave spears on the show because he, he obviously has handled tech support for a long time and they've now uh, passed on but obviously we've got isotope here who presumably have to deal with it on a, on a daily basis as well but I wondered, really, what is an acceptable form of holiday? How long should tech support be able to take before we start getting kind of, oh, my God, I must fix my X, Y, Z, um, before we start looking at the Microsoft paperclip fondly again? Gaz, help me. But they are sw- they're Swedish, the Electron guys. And, the, and the Sweden, Sweden's holiday sort of period is quite special, you know, and everybody, you know, the country is very much on holiday for that time. So I guess it's partly like a kind of traditional thing to do with their com- uh, country, you know, which may, you know, may be a little bit of background to why that is. But, you know, well, tech support, I mean, most answers, you can find most answers, can't you, if you, if you look. And a lot of people just don't look very hard. So then they sort of turn to tech support maybe too early in the process. It's a bit like going to casualty with a splinter. Yeah. <laughs> or a headache. Yeah. Headache. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right, actually, Gaz. I, I, I mean, maybe that is the case. I don't know if Matt has ever worked in tech support or whether any of our fine uh, visitors have ever have, worked I've in tech support. I've done it from, from time to time, yeah. Do you find, I mean, there's, there, are, there are numerous hilarious videos online about, um, about people kind of phoning up and saying, you know, why, why is this not working when it's got absolutely nothing? I mean, is it... Is it easy or difficult to maintain your cool? Or do you have a very, you know, like that, there yeah. are specifics. Do you have a specific set of steps that you I, go through? Does that help? It's pretty easy, really. I mean, you know. All most, isotope yeah. users are so brilliant anyway, obviously. You know. But, you know, nine times out of ten, if someone's getting in touch with tech support, uh, all it is is that they have something that's stopping them from making music or or recording audio or, or you know, their TV's not working, whatever company and line, yeah. line of work you're in. Uh, that's typically all they want is for the thing that they bought from you to work or for whatever is preventing that thing from working to get it working as quickly as possible. So they're usually uh, pretty nice, pretty reasonable, and all all you really need to do is just get as much information as you can so that your first reply or second reply is the solution just as quickly as possible. Um, so, you know... Uh, it's not. It's not hard. Um, no, to, I, I to, suppose the thing. I suppose the thing is also in your line of work, your de- your products are aimed more at professionals who are probably further advanced in terms of how they would use. You know, they they they'd already know how to kind of run a DAW probably, unless they just happen to get uh, an iTunes voucher for Christmas and yeah. thought, hey, I'll buy yeah. this and have absolutely no. So what do I need? What you know? I mean, you're not likely to deal with somebody who like what's a computer, are you? So I suppose that's easy. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you know, sometimes someone might just have general information. They might not even own a product, but they uh, might, yeah. you know, they might want to know. Well, what exactly is this? What does it do? And if they couldn't get what they wanted um, online, they're they're coming to ask you. Um, so yeah, it it's it's never. Um, 
like, oh, how do I focus on on, on these nice. people? They're, they're, they're always pretty, pretty nice. Um, and you sympathize with them because obviously we're all, and if we're talking about audio, we're all audio guys. We all have run into problems from time to time, and, right. and we all just want to get up and running as quickly as possible. So uh, all we, that's all you want to do is, is help them. So Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm guessing, I'm sensing from your reply that you're probably a really good guy <laughs> to work into. <laughs> Whereas myself, I quite often get phone calls from uh, various family members. Why is the TV not working? And it's kind of, you know, that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, but the thing I find is like, well, I have actually explained this about a million times already. Yeah. So, and that I get annoyed because it's like, well, if you don't listen, then and don't care how it works, then it's always not going to work for you. But when I first moved to America, because uh, I'm originally from Hereford, so when I first moved to America, I used to get phone calls from my mum asking me how to do the TV remote. Yeah. So I, I want to watch TV tonight. What do I press? Yeah, well, it's getting so complicated. The buttons are so fiddly these days, aren't they? <laughs> I, I just about figured mine out. I don't know, Mark, do you think you could take that job? What do you Tech support? Yeah. Oh, God, no. Oh, no. Well, maybe I could do tech support for broadband because that, that would be quite easy because they follow a script because you ring them up and you say, my broadband's not really working properly, the speed's gone right down on it, and they say, what operating system are you using? And I say, I'm using Mac OS X. Oh, can you go to the start menu? No. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on from there. Ah. gets worse from there. They all, and, you know, basically that job involves telling somebody to reboot Windows, doesn't it, while you yeah. switch, switch it on again and then ring us, back, ring, us, ring us back and spend another 15 minutes. It's like the IT it. crowd. If you try turning well, it off another game. While you're rebooting and disconnected, they bump your speed back up, and then, and then as you use your broadband over time, they slow you down and put you on a slower and slower kind of... Oh, that's so, that's so cynical, Mark. Are you sure? No. Have you got, so, have you got proof? I can't prove it, but I absolutely know that that's what happens. I had one of those... You know, and, those... and then you ring them up, and then it goes fast again, uh, and then it gets slower mm-hmm. and so on, you know. Uh. I had one of those calls, you know, those co- they've been happening in Britain. I don't know if they've been happening everywhere, I guess, possibly, where it's, they phone you up and they tell you that, you that you've got a virus on your computer and then they try to talk oh, you through yeah. it step by step to sort of fix yeah, it. And they put one on but there. This is yeah. tr- a true story from a few from a few months what? ago. They phoned they they phoned up and and they said, "Oh right, can you know?" They said, "You've got a virus on your computer." And it's a scam. It's a scam. Yeah, how do you so know? I'm really into I'm into scam baiting. So I like to try and sort of yeah, waste as too. much of their time as possible, and it's uh, get much joy out of it. <laughs> but I, so I said, they said, "Oh, can you turn your computer on?" I said, yeah, "Well, it takes a while because it's steam powered." <laughs> and they said, so, <laughs> right, they said, um, "Okay, hang on a minute." And I just went and started banging pots and pans and just doing all this kind of said, one moment, you know, and just all this kind of stuff. All these noises come back panting. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming online. It's coming online now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then <laughs> and then they say, um, right, um, yeah. Can you click on the start menu? <laughs> this and they believed. They believed it all. Uh, all that kind of <laughs> not highly trained criminals. <clears throat> That's terrible, that one. I mean, that's, yeah. But, I mean, I I, I took about seven minutes of noises, and then they asked me to sort of click on the start menu, you know. (laughs) And they put it, well, good, good. And and now you've got a virus on your computer. (laughs) 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 No, it is. I like the marketing thing that that is the most extraordinary, because I filled something out with a false name, and I put, because it looked dodgy, so I put this name down, Roy Gibbons. I, and now I get calls all the time from all sorts of different people trying to offer me PPI and 
all different things for this guy called Roy Gibbons. And whenever they ring up, I just, I've got to the point now where I go, look, he doesn't actually exist. And they say, yes, we do. He does. We've got a record of him here. I'm like, no, I made it up. And they won't believe me anymore. It's wow. just bizarre. Um, you might have brought him into, into his, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be like one of those um, uh, Paul Ulster stories where it's like a kind of modern <laughs> ghost story. Oh God, oh, really? he'll be like a zombie on my doorstep. Yeah, he'll Hello. show up. Don't do it. Don't don't do any God, kind of like Ouija board things. All right, and like for the next foreseeable future, because you might bring him into uh, into existence. I know, Rich. I mean, what do you expect for tech support? I mean, I'm guess you know you know what you're doing. I guess when do you turn to it? You know, is there a kind of you know sometimes it's like is this a bug or is it not working properly you get that kind of stuff right moments of extreme desperation <laughs> and that's the only time that's also a problem though because when you're de- when you're dealing with people under moments of extreme desperation you're listening to them go through to a script and you just kind of know what you're talking about so you can explain it well you have to get through the script yeah. to get to what's actually wrong yeah. or and the chances of coming up I don't know quite how to say this. I've been doing this longer than most people. Yeah, that's true. So quite often I find myself teaching the tech support guy it's how to troubleshoot this problem, uh, explaining yeah. the pro- the process I've been through. And um, I don't know. They have to it's follow the script, don't they? They're still stuck on that script and you well, can't. Well, you have to get through it. There, you get yeah. to the bottom of the script, and you've answered all the questions so that now they can have an actual conversation with you, and then you hope that you've got somebody who knows something about the product. But chances are you've got somebody who's going to say, ah, I see, that's it. Okay, you need to speak to a higher-level tech. Yeah. I'll get one on the phone. Hold right. on, please. And he's got his script Yeah. most often. <clears throat> and then you most- kind of, can I have a direct number, please, because I don't want to have to go through that, yeah. But this is just all you have yeah, to go through. And, and it has to be pretty severe. Like, I have to be absolutely damn near convinced that I have a hardware problem for me to want to get on the phone with somebody like that. Yeah. That actually the hardware is actually defective. It's either the hardware or me that's defective in that moment. <laughs> and I guess it's 50 50 in a chat like that. It's either me so or the hardware. So I don't know if it's the hardware. Right. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, but it must be a hell of a job. I wonder what the churn rate I mean, do you guys have kind of consistent tech support or do you find that you've got you know, people going through? Because I mean, it must be a quite a, a stressful job as well at times. Yeah, I mean, it, it always, you know, it varies, obviously, around a, a product release. Um, people just genuinely have questions. Um, so there'll be a lot of inquiries, you know, in the day running up to the release or the week after, and that's obviously a lot more uh, to get through. Um, but we and we do, you know, we have a dedicated team, and they're fantastic. Um, and they're, Do you have, like, an internal bulletin board of most, most, uh, most amusing tech support question of the week? Um, I, there's no such thing as a dumb question. Um, to oh, be fair. look at him go! What a what a there, what there a really diplomat. isn't. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm I'm guilty of, of emailing tech support with dumb questions in the past. So, right. You know, I I, I once emailed a, a company who shall remain unnamed, um, but they probably know who I am. I emailed them from my Isotope address because I couldn't get their plugin to work. It was a reverb, and it was because I hadn't read the email that they sent me when I bought it. And, you know, 
that it, it just goes to show. Read if you read the emails, it's, you'll be it, all set. It's so. re- it is really interesting though that sort of stuff because I find myself doing that sort of thing all the time. And the way you structure an email and the, what you what order you put the information makes a huge difference to whether people actually even bother. If there's something really important fact yeah. at the bottom or buried in the middle of a paragraph, forget it. I mean, you're just going to get a million calls. It's like bullet point: do this, do this, do this. Right, brilliant. That's all I need to know. I don't want to thank you. We value you as a customer. No, get rid of that. Put that yeah. at the bottom. You know, that, that, oh yeah, always, always, always at the bottom. Yeah. Um, the the first thing they should get is the solution. This is your code. Input it here. Yeah. <laughs> um. Absolutely. Um, uh, but anyway, that was kind of uh, so. They had a holiday, and I hope they they enjoyed it, and I'm sure they deserve it. Um, I imagine actually, it must be quite a. Uh, um, difficult one with uh, electron because very very, it follows its own logic the equipment you know has it Mm. it works in a specific it's not like you can use the same logic that you can use with a lot of other things like your standard so it must be you know it must be quite challenging in some respects but a lot of people are the evangelists with with hardware versus software too you know if it's a piece of hardware it could be harder to reproduce the issue whereas if it's a piece of software and they're having an issue you can say, okay, what's your operating system? Right. What's your host? You know, what version of the plugin are you running? And you can try and recreate. And if and if you can create that problem, then you can figure out the fix and, and immediately write back to them or or tell them. It. So with, with uh, people like them who make hardware, you know, it can be a little tricky. So maybe maybe they needed a break. Who knows? <laughs> maybe so. Um, right then. Uh, yes, surreal. As you said in the chat room, I think I'll give them a bit of bit of chat room love. We haven't had that for as you said. A bit surreal. Terex tech support mixed with ice cream van talk. A, there's got to be. It's a shame. Um, there's got to be. It's a, a shame Dave Spears isn't on here because he his company is called G Force, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I have a box in my garage by a company called g-force which actually does measure the g-force acceleration of my car and dave said that he got a whole load of tech support stuff from somebody asking how to connect his stuff to a toyota corolla one <laughs> to get the naught to 60 times of it and of which he responded with some amusing joke about a drummer if and, I remember and of course right. g-force is uh, also a um a sort of pet detective agency run by guinea pigs, if you watch the movies. Oh, yeah. Or I is it hamsters? I forget which. Guinea pigs or hamsters? I have the DVD. I, in fact, I bought it for Dave, but my, uh, but my daughter ended up watching it. Or, or you loved it so much. I've not watched it yet, no. Maybe I should, maybe a G-Force. <laughs> um, anyway, that was uh, uh, the tech support one. So <laughs> let's uh, get on to the next one. This is a, another question. Um, it came up via uh, Reddit, which is there's a great We Are The Music Makers uh, Reddit there. And uh, basically, um, somebody was interested to hear some, uh, some links or something recorded with, uh, with just a really, really basic and minimal, informa- minimal equipment. And that's something that just got me thinking a little bit. It's a, a little bit of, uh, you know, kids that they don't know, you know. But the, this is an album by somebody called uh, Lazarus. Uh, it's called ketamine, um, it, which he does actually say. I, and I, I don't uh, condone the use of ketamine as a recreational substance or anything, which um, I'd like to point out as well. But the point was is this whole album was recorded with a MacBook microphone, internal mic. Uh, and it, just, it actually is pretty impressive. I mean, there's obviously some issues with dynamics and what have you, but it's just amazing that you... What, Basically, I'm guessing, I think, what does he say? Uh, just garage band. It made completely garage band with the MacBook internal voice. There's a 
whole uh, there's six tracks here on this EP, uh, Ketman EP, and it's worth a listen. But it just got me kind of thinking about what are the the, the, the most basic things that we can use. I mean, where you know, I, I know you talked, Rich. There was a great um, story you said last week about uh, uh, Will Ferrell and um, the uh, iPhone, oh, the, melody. the Melodyne iPhone recording of the of the melody. I mean, just and that is about as basic as you can get. And you know, it's, it's akin to the kind of whole dictaphone thing. But I mean, to actually build a track from start to finish. In something like that, I mean, it's, it's just totally possible, right? I mean, Gaz, you kind of—I know you've been into the OP one and what have you—but I mean, whatever's available, I guess. Oh, there it is. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever's available, and you know, we've talked about things similar to this many a time. With you know, if it's much more restricted, then you have to work within tighter parameters, and that's that's a creative thing. But I guess if you're trying to do something really high quality and uh and the equipment is limited then it's trying to work with you know what could you possibly do with to make this sound good so uh in that particular example that you played um that didn't sound very good to me uh i've got something i can play here which might help yeah I've, I actually I managed to get the um, the um, the Akai MPX8 to play. It's, it play. It requires mono samples, so just for old time's sake, I thought I would have a little bit of uh, Howard Sloan, Howard Howard Scar, rather a tumbleweed moment that he made for us, which I always used to use on the show when um, when I had a moment that I needed to play some tumbleweed in. Anyway, <laughs> I'll unplug that now. But yes. So you didn't? You thought that was rubbish anyway. I thought creatively it was quite well, interesting. No, um, yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, it, it just sounded like what it, what I thought you said it was. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whereas I would be. It, it did make me think, though. I wonder if you could, um, and maybe the guy has done it. I'm possibly being way too judgmental too quickly. But if you went really, really close to the microphone, you know, I, uh, I wonder if there's ways is that you could kind of bend the macbook to get the microphone into certain positions and you know and and do things really really softly i don't know it'd be quite interesting to see just what good quality sound you can get from the microphone there's a challenge i quite found i mean and maybe this recordings have you know demonstrate that hidden depths (laughs) yeah of course i could always use uh isotope products to improve uh, the ambience and what (laughs) yeah do you see where i'm going this is all i I put this in before i even knew you were coming yeah it's just that's just how in tune we are with your, with it, your you know it, i mean it, obviously he's gone there and he, he's he's put a an ep out into the world but i know a lot of people that they'll use tools like the inbuilt microphone or maybe just a little usb microphone just to lay down a whole bunch of ideas um, i know people in my band do that and then they'll send them out to us and we'll be using those for a long time before we actually replace them Maybe you know with something a little better and, and equipment that we like to use, but there's definitely there's something to be said for it. Um, and obviously, if you do have certain issues, um, then sure, um, you know maybe something like RX or, or some other solution that works for you can can help. But um, as, as Gaz was saying, there's also ways you might be able to use the tools you have to even prevent some of those problems in the first place, which obviously is ideal. So. I wonder if there's a, a, a way that you... I mean, but yeah, I mean, essentially using the internal mic. It's not too bad, though. I mean, the, the, the sound is pretty good. I mean... As long as you turn the, the noise reduction off on the... They have a little ambient noise reduction in, on the Mac mic, on the system preferences. Oh, um, really? I've never oh, seen yeah. that. Uh, if you, yeah, if you go in, you'll, you'll see it there. If you turn it off, um, 
that, that then you can record stuff and you know it sounds better than if it if it's on that's just a little tip but where's that uh somewhere on so, the uh, is it sound effects somewhere yeah yeah use interface i know that's this is uh now, if you go to your input Ah, here we go. I can put that over here. We can have a look at that. I did not know that. Let me just uh, throw that. That, There it is. That is, yeah, there's this little use ambient noise reduction right there. Yeah, it's great, great for Skype. Uh, um, You know, maybe if you're recording guitar, it would sound a little bit weird with that on. It might do. Uh, I've. uh, has Isotope got anything to do with the ambient noise reduction algorithm? (laughs) (laughs) No. Not this time. No, no. Okay. Um, Mark. Yes. Say something, con- contribute to the topic before I just, I, I have to play tumbleweed again. I'm bored of it. I'm totally <laughs> bored of people saying, oh, look, I recorded this on my iPad or my iPhone or my this, that or the other. Who cares? We have small devices that can record multi-track audio. Good. So what? <laughs> uh, really, I mean, it's, uh, if they were saying it a few years ago, I might be excited by it, but I'm kind of, it's like, it's just so obvious that it can do it now that it seems a bit boring. Tell me you've recorded an album on a Raspberry Pi. That would be exciting. And it costs yeah. $10 to record it. That would be really exciting. But, I mean, I don't know. Sorry, I'm bored of it. No, all right, fair mm-hmm. enough. I won't say it again. Consider myself... I could... Well, it, it, that is an interesting idea, actually, what Mark said. And I, it, and I, I learned something recently that the, like, the preamps that are in a lot of expensive bits of equipment like... I believe uh, the Universal Audio Apollos. Uh, is it like a? It's, it's, there's a chip which most of the stuff is on, uh, and that chip is about it's about seven dollars per preamp. So the. So I may, yeah, I'd be careful what you say there. I'm not sure that's entirely. It may be the D2A part. I'm not sure the actual uh, well, mic amp itself might well be. I think I think it is. I think it's really small. Maybe not in that. It's in some uh, uh, devices anyway, uh, some, you know, expensive devices, but the actual thing itself is very, very small. So if you sort of had a Raspberry Pi and built in, you know... Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, maybe you, you might be able to get something... Into could... just one little, cheap little box, you know, with but really good sound. Interesting idea. Nice. I'm very much into the idea of Raspberry Pi, as you know. I just never have enough time to pursue my goal of installing music-making devices on it and get it doing stuff because um, everything's so command-line and, and what have you, and it's just uh, on the list of priorities. It's a bit low, but I think it'd make an interesting article, for sure. And, and maybe more so than just necessarily saying, oh, I used, I used this and making that a big feature of what you did or didn't use, just, just do if, it. if it sounds good, it sounds good. Do it and finish if, it. If it sounds yeah, bad, exactly. it sounds bad, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's enough tools around to make things sound good now that it's not really... It shouldn't be the main focus point. Wow, in, the, in the chat room, uh, Sinusho, Sinusho says seven bucks is on the high side, I think. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it all, it's all down to components, isn't it? Yeah, you, don't it? Make yeah. Any, you don't make any hardware, do you? Uh, we, yeah, we do make one piece of hardware. Um, it's a two-channel noise reduction box. It's, it's used for like TV and broadcast in radio stations and broadcast trucks. and So you don't typically see it in the, in the stores, but... Uh, what would that be for reducing ambient noise or just program noise? Uh, just uh, ambient background noise. Um, you know, if it's a live feed, like the PGA Golf Tour, for instance, you've got wind, you've got applause, or the Oscars and the Grammys use it. 
Um, so we, yeah, we do have one. I would one imagine they need box, to put applause in the Grammys one, isn't it? Has it got like an inversion mode where it adds atmosphere? I, I actually, you know, I, I saw a, a taping of a live comedy show once um, uh, earlier last year, and they did exactly that. Before the comedians came out, the producer came out and they said, okay, we need short applause, we need loud applause, uh, you know, super uh, loud cheering and just low chuckles. And then we went through like five or ten different scenarios and then that's what they use when they broadcast because they told a joke that we didn't laugh at yeah they threw that in they should have borrowed my tumbleweed sample <laughs> there you go that's that i can I, I can imagine that sort of rather destroying the uh, the kind of thought of go i want to go and see this show i'm, I'm hoping to see some real-time comedy but i've actually Please. got to re pre-record my response <laughs> it's, it's very awkward laughing yeah. on, on command but, uh, are you sure they we weren't making that. a sample cd <laughs> sorry guys we we did something a while ago. It was so naughty, but we took this like documentary about. It was a serious documentary, and it was about people. Uh, it was to do with people losing lots of money and lots of people being out of work. But then we put loads of studio audience laughing at various bits after people <laughs> said certain things. We played it for this girl, like as though it was like a kind of situation comedy. <laughs> it's like the wrongest thing, but it was so funny because <laughs> she was laughing with people. Wow, it's yeah, amazing people, how we powerful it is. I mean, it does work, doesn't it? Canned <laughs> laughter and what have you. But That's very interesting. It's, it's a strange... I mean, but the, the people in this documentary had quite sort of strong accents, so when they were just saying something, it was quite amusing just because their accents were quite interesting. So when they sort of finish the thing and you have a big little... doesn't matter what they were saying, it's actually quite a sad thing. It, yeah. It was, yeah. Well, I remember there so was a big trend... It's, it's um, quite wrong as well. the KLF, um, when KLF were doing stuff, they did that kind of stadium house thing, and they used to uh, throw up loads of applause, and I ended up using loads of applause samples in stuff that we did for breakdowns and stuff. And it's amazing the difference. It's a really interesting effect when you throw it into a track. The Top of the Pops... Um Top of the Pops had, like, a whole load of applause in an AKS thousand. Oh, did they? Yeah, when we did Top of the Pops, I was in the... Well, I was not doing the sound because I wasn't allowed to touch the desk because it's the BBC, you know. And uh, so I was telling the man when to switch the delay on, which, of course, never worked because he was putting it on way after it was supposed to happen. But at the in between the songs, they were just hitting off applause on an S1000. And I copied the applause onto a disc. <laughs> I've got it somewhere. <laughs> Top of the pops applause. That's brilliant. Oh, I don't know. Rich, could you then <laughs> do an inverted phase and just dub it onto episodes of the top, top of the pops so, sort of, you know, so that there's a complete lack of applause? Right. Last train to Grand Central, as uh, Redwalk says in the chat room. That is exactly it. You're totally right. Rich, I've kind of forgotten where this topic started. Um, can you remember? Is there anything you care to... <laughs> I don't even remember what it was to begin with. <laughs> Would you care to bring, <laughs> bring us into line? Um, well, you were actually talking uh, about a tech support closing oh, yeah. at one point. <laughs> No, no, you were talking about GarageBand, right recording an entire oh, album right. on GarageBand. Garage that's right. Oh, did we move on to that? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, I held your intro. I feel I should just have that, maybe, maybe Tumbleweed should just be the entire sort of bed, music bed for this entire show. <laughs> um, right then. Oh, yeah, using minimal gear to oh, record yes, that's things. that's right. That was... You, that was I mean, because... Presumably, I mean, you've got a facility that you use, but do you ever have to go out and, and record a location and what have you? Do What do you use when do you take, like, a minimal system? Because you were also talking about doing... Um... Today, you mean? Yeah. Because well, not... I'm actually going to have to do this next week. Oh, cool. um, I'm going to bring my MacBook Air. I'm going to bring a uh, Lassie um, 
Thunderbolt drive that I have that I use as a sound library drive. I'm going to bring this keyboard okay. and that cable. And I'm going to bring my Motu interface. And I'm going to play sounds out of contact or any other soft sense I need to be able to play out of. Uh-huh. I'm going to use my laptop basically as my synthesizer. Ah, so it's a playout rather than a recording thing. So you're kind of working on arrangements or whatever. Um, it's a recording thing. What do you? Um, okay. It's a recording session next week. But uh, I need to be able to provide sounds that I know that I like, um, and I don't know what they're going to have there that create those things. So this is my fallback position. Ah, okay. Well, that's the cool thing now. I mean, I always remember you used to be turning up to sessions when you had to take all this stuff along. But, it would be just endless. Well, this doesn't relate to the minimalist discussion because if you get me to crank out some in-my-day stories, <laughs> um, you know, you used what you had. So I can remember jamming in a friend's college dorm room on a Gibson organ going through a tape echo. And uh, finally he got a micro Moog, and we were jamming away on that thing too. And then... Other pieces of synthesizer gear began to arrive, and this guy was recording all of these, you know, like sometimes one poly synth, like maybe a poly six. Uh, I believe he had a VCS3 and a four-track tape machine, and he'd make, you know, whatever record. He'd record guitarists and bass players, and he had like a CR78 drum machine, and he was making, you know, his own records kind of. I'd really like to see, I'd, what I'd like to see, you know, when you get the um, something with an external input, so you just daisy chain everything together, like have a massive chain of instruments all mixed together that you record into a mono output at the end. <laughs> so you've got your kind of VL tone going into uh, your Yamaha uh, arranger keyboard that's got an external input that mixes into that, and then that goes into something else, and so you just chain the stuff together and you have one lead coming out of it well, at the end. Well, how's this? Okay. When I was a when I was a kid, my father had a Sony tape recorder yeah. that had a sound-on-sound sound function that enabled you to bounce things along with Love an it. added live microphone from yeah. one cha- from yeah. left channel to right channel. And then you could actually play it out the right speaker and mic it and sing yet another part as it was yeah. recording back to the left channel. And I used to build up um, vocal sounds and things um, doing that as a kid, which probably made me a slightly odd kid. But... Um, <laughs> Nevertheless, but that's 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 where to learn how to get these things balanced because that's exactly where I started with like sound on sound bouncing from one cassette machine to another cassette machine. One problem being that things would slow down, so you'd have to slow, you'd have to kind of detune the guitar slightly with each pass. But if you record, if the drums go across first, you've got to work out where you put the drums in the mix because by the time the drums get to the end of the mix, you might have done seventeen. Uh, bounces across, and then the drums sound like they're in quiet, some kind of well, they, yeah, yeah or, or they're like. <laughs> like I mean, try cleaning that up yeah, with noise. Maybe just don't have too many cymbals on that drum bounce. That would be. Which brings us back to isotopes. It does, hasn't it? And funnily enough, <laughs> yeah. and the chat room are off on their own. They're, Sorry, they're, they're basically heading off into uh, ice cream van recordings still. So I don't know. Either the delay <laughs> on the feed is really, really long, or we've lost their um, attention. Although they formed that we formed a new oh. obsession for them. <laughs> no, they're writing about. Oh, okay, recording. I must have. I, I, yes, I. I oh, no, there we go. It's back on topic. There we go. I can't. I, I can't blame them. But yeah, once again, thanks to the chat room for their continued um, input to the show. It always adds a bit of extra frisson. I'm so glad we started doing this live because it really does kind of make it a bit more 
of an event kind of vibe. It makes the show better. It absolutely time. does. Um, I, but actually, that kind of goes up. This was another thing that I found, which was the, the idea of, uh, you know, when somebody said, I mixed this song for a friend of mine, but I feel like it's lacking in something. This was a question, again, that was posted on the Reddit uh, thing. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what, but it, it wasn't more, it wasn't so much about that. The idea is kind of when you're working on a track, do you instinctively know what's missing or do you just have to kind of try until you kind of figure it out? I mean, that that's an interesting sort of um, wet part of the creative process, I think. You know, if, is it all kind of, oh, yes, I know, to get to A to B, I need to put this in and then it will all be fine. Or, you know, you have to kind of, how much time you spend meandering around to look for stuff. And I've just realised it's quarter past five, so it might have to be a bit short, um, it, even though it's a massively open-ended <laughs> topic I've just thrown in there. <laughs> yes. It's a very good, that's a very good, I think that's a very good question, actually, because... You know, if you're doing something like a jazz recording, then you've got the clear idea of what the end result is going to be, you know, in terms of it just being like a great recreation of a live performance. But if you're doing something that's so much more abstract or like a pop thing, then it's, a ve- that's, it's very difficult, isn't it? I mean, what at what point is something finished? Is it just simply by all the elements being in place, uh, you know, all the standard elements being in place. But, I mean, do you know? Do we have big frequency gaps that we don't have covered? And, uh, you know, I, maybe hit records need the spaces, you know, well, they unquestionably do need the spaces, but it's a very interesting point because you don't know when something's finished necessarily. But maybe, well, for me, I've been working on some things and it just think oh it just suddenly feels does bloomed into something um but it is a very difficult thing because what is you know as i say what is a finished thing you know what you know everybody's version of that's going to be different isn't it yeah i must admit because i've been working on this mix and i started off i did this demo it started off as a very pedestrian arrangement to a song basically and i've been asked to to give it a pep it up and turn it into something that makes the song a better vehicle for the song because they're trying to get the song placed and so i kind of did all of that and and when i started getting into the actual mix phase i was just really bored and now i want someone else to mix it because i kind of all the thrill of making these kind of grand bold statements but now the detail of I'm flattening all the ends off, and I, I find that actually what I'm doing is, is feels like it's regression rather than taking it forward. So I've sort of lost perspective there. So, and I don't know if it's missing it. It sounded great to me when I just threw the demo together, but you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it, that's because of the memory, I guess, of the adrenaline and the, 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 the creative spark or whatever was what, what made me move on. Oh, yeah, this bit, there's a hole missing. I need to fix this bit. I mean, the actual fixing of arrangements, like, you know, you come out of the chorus, you need a breakdown verse or whatever, and it's. You've got no ideas. You've then got to experiment. But yeah, but I don't know what it's. I never know what it's going to be until it's until it, it reaches a shape, I guess. But I guess if you're working on from a song, I don't know, Rich, with you because you're working with a producer who presumably has a has a fairly strong idea of what he wants it to be at the end. I mean, I'm, I'm making an assumption here, of course. And is it down to you, or is it just a kind of if we go in this direction, I know something cool will happen, and then we'll we'll keep the good bits. He is one of the most spontaneously flexible musicians I've ever known in my entire life. And any vision that he has at the beginning of what it's going to be like at the end, he understands very clearly to be uh, transitory at best. Right. (laughs) So um, that said, he is also decisive about musical things. And when you work in a session with him, 
it's I think he's impressively so. Mark, would you agree to that? Yeah. We're ta- we are mean, talking about Nile yeah. Rogers here, I should say, because yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But I get he's incredibly astute and and attentive, and uh, here's what's going on. So and, can pick and, if somebody plays something, can pick something, and go, hey, that that do more of that or whatever. That's immediately right. yeah. Okay. He relishes the creative collaboration with the people in the room and encourages them to contribute things that he could not have foreseen. Um, that that's the, that is an interesting point because that's a sl- I guess that that's and and also being able to complete and finish because that's a fairly major important part of doing any project, isn't it? I mean, because they we- don't even have to do that; they just have to give you the good stuff, right? And then you can fix it late, you know, shape it or more. whatever, yeah. you, or if you have to, or move it, or do whatever you have to do to it. But uh, you just need to get the good stuff, right? Hmm. And Matt, you were saying because you're in a band, also. Yeah. I mean, what the, what how do you know? I mean, I don't know what you play or what your role is. I mean, uh, do you find that there's a point where you go, yeah, that's done? Or is that not part of your particular... Um, if if I was by myself, I would never reach that point because uh, I'm always trying new things and it's a bad habit. You've got to try and break. Um, also, probably doing too many things and then you have to try and find what you need to take out. But with the band, uh, the way we actually got around that, uh, we did the entire album live. So we, you know, we practiced all day, every Old day. School. Yeah, we you know we just thought we, we wanted to do it, um, and so we actually were recording to tape, um, twenty four track. We were doing the entire thing live, um, and so we got what we got. And um, if we couldn't replicate it live, we didn't, um, and that actually meant that the weeks running up to the studio session, we kind of figured out what layers we wanted in there and which ones we didn't, because we'd try things at shows and some things would work, some things wouldn't. Then we also got the recording engineer and the producer to come to the rehearsals, and they would tell us, well, this worked or this didn't. Right. Um, so it was more sort of trial by fire. We'd do it live in front of an audience, um, which obviously if you're by yourself in a studio, um, you know, layering tracks, it's not the same thing. But No, that's a very good point because you do get that it, it's that, oh, I'm really proud of this, I, I think it's finished, and then you play yeah. it and somebody go, oh, my God, oh, I didn't, I, I didn't realise it was so unfinished and so wrong. And, I guess with the live thing, you can just gauge the reaction. Would you yeah. just collective, like, ooh? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we, not. We, we played uh, as one of our songs. We end it in a certain way, or we used to. And, and we did it at one show, and nobody clapped because they didn't know it was the end. So, right. you know, the arrangement, obviously, in that case was wrong, and we changed it up, and it, it's on the album now. So. Ah, okay. No, that's a good way. I mean, we've talked about that again, you know, and it's, it's the sort of skill that's been lost uh, in many ways, the ability to just kind of do that. I mean, there are obviously people who do, but the trend to stay in the box and just kind of tinker yeah. is, is very uh, alluring because then you don't ever have to play it to anybody. Uh, yeah, and, absolutely. And, it, and, and, you know, expose your soul, as it were. Um, I'm not going to expose any more of my soul. As uh, the fabulous Derek and Clive joke about uh, the Americans have their soul singers and we have our soul singers. One of my favourites of all time. <laughs> I've never heard <laughs> have you that. Not? Ah, that's a, it's, a, it's a corker. That it's, probably the only th- it's probably the only thing on a Derek and Clive record that could possibly be played or quoted in this yeah. context. Derek and Clive, of course, are... Uh, Dudley Moore and Peter Cook, who are, were yeah. notoriously foul-mouthed and just used to improvise this complete rubbish but was just very funny 
if you like that yeah. sort of thing. I, it might be one of those things that I go back to and think, actually, that wasn't funny at all anymore. <laughs> Best cool. job I ever had was pulling yeah, lobsters anyway, out I've of got to, uh, <laughs> I've got <laughs> to... Uh, uh, yes, that was what... Uh, that also was breaking, but, uh, actually, we better go, because I just realised we have to get a cab to... Uh, to leave to a speeding train. Are we train. not going to talk about Jason? No, I think uh, we'll have to do that next week. Oh. I'm terribly sorry, Mark. Um, oh. But we can uh, another I'll time. Try, um. yeah. Duty calls. Duty calls. Okay, Matt, thank you very much for joining thank us. Thank you very uh, much. A real pleasure to have you here, um, Matt from Isotope. And, um, thanks, Matt. You'll be yeah. seeing thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. You'll be seeing I love the name of the uh, other stuff, what, by the way. I own What's I the name of your band? All of it. What's the name of your band, Matt? Oh, it's uh, so uh, called Dan and the Wildfire. Um, so if you just you type that into Spotify or iTunes, you'll you'll find us. Um, so Hooray. take a listen. Cool. Uh, and remember, yeah. it's all it's all live. Um, it's a couple of trumpet overdubs because he can't play two trumpets at once. Ah, no, no. I, I, well, I guess if he was a saxophonist, he might be able to play, but he's not. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, we better. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us. Also, yeah, we'll say you. Uh, thank you to uh, Rich Hilton over there in Connecticut. Thank you for joining us too, and have a great uh, session upcoming. Thank you. thank you. Pleasure thank to have you as usual. And Mark Tinley, thank you for joining us too. You're very welcome. Uh, uh, we will get to your subject, and I'm glad your uh, your foot is better, or getting better. Oh, I forgot to show you the picture of my mobility scooter. Oh, well. Uh, well, we'll have next to do it week. next week. Maybe you... I'll show you my foot instead. Look. Okay. Wow, uh, that's like a proper old-school mummy-style bandage. I like yeah. it. I bet yeah. you get, oh, you get a lot of sympathy with a bandage like that, I hope. I get lots of old men coming up to me going, oh, that looks sore. <laughs> it's like, yes. Yeah. And, of course, Mr. Gaz Williams over there, bass player, uh, songsurgeon.co.uk. Um, mm. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Gaz. Hopefully, uh, next, yeah, hopefully next week I'll have a video up that I filmed on Saturday where I went into a really, really big room with a stereo bass rig and played a big MIDI sort of symphony thing. Uh, Not really oh, symphony. That sounds really cool. But, I uh, recorded it all in stereo in the big, but used the big. I, I wrote the piece in the room, so, uh, so I'm using the oh, big fantastic. echoes. Can you, the, oh, can, so can you, um, maybe we can have a breakdown of that next week. Cool. Because okay. uh, next week there'll be a show, but the week after there won't be because I'm on holiday. Cool. Okay, right. Thank you very much. Uh, that's a wrap. I will hit stop. Thanks, everybody.